Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts. Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong. But don't come at all. When we talk about the 17-7 win over Iowa State on Thursday night and as we look ahead to K-State, let's shelve the offensive conversation for a bit because we're going to need all the time we yeah, and energy. can muster and energy. Because it makes muster. you frustrated talking about yes. that offense. You, you end up yelling a lot more than you want to. So let's put that off to the side in its own little pile. My, you know, my wife's a big fan of being around the house. She makes piles of stuff everywhere. Oh. My wife doesn't dirty. My wife doesn't. Just completely make a disaster out of one room. It's more like there's little piles of stuff in everything. There you go, a little project. So we'll put the offense in a little pile and we'll move it off to the side. Oh, it's a big pile know. of something right now. Oh, yeah. That <laughs> is, but, Rod, let's start with this defense. And I want to go back to something that was talked about in the spring, something that was talked about during camp. Deshaun Elliott talked about it. Craig Niver talked about it. The Texas defensive backs have not been able to say the words DBU in the presence of the staff mm-hmm. or in the meeting rooms. They have to earn it. Yeah, Rod, after – and we talked about corner being an issue that was going to face this defense against Iowa State with yeah. the two big receivers. They were going to be in 50-50 ball situations. Yep. And Texas never really gave up the big play down the field. So considering Holton Hill, Rod continues to play at an All-American level. No question. Considering Deshaun Elliott, now your two-time reigning Big 12 Defensive Player of the Week – have they earned the right to use those three letters again? Or do you need to see more before you go that far? Well, I actually said on the Rodcast uh, recently. And By I, the way, every day on the on 104.9 The Horn from 1 to 3. Shameless plug. And I uh, got a chance to join my man Kevin Dunn on the uh, the post game after the Owl State game. And it was late, probably like 12, 31 in the morning. So I was a little bit, you know, delusional. Um, <laughs> but I said, so I, yeah, I, I and I, I stated, and I still stand behind it. I think they've already started to earn the name DBU okay. again. No question. I mean, holding Hill right now, like I said, playing you you agree playing an all American level. Right. I think Deshaun Elliott now is easily at an all conference level, proven by his two weeks in a row of being Big Twelve Defensive Player of the Year. And you're looking at guys like Chris Boyd, and I know it's hard to notice. Chris Boyd has upped his play. Chris Boyd is playing at a much better level. His baseline has improved. I you know, and I got I feel bad for Chris Boyd because I've been Chris Boyd, and what I mean by that is I've been the other corner opposite the guy playing at an all American level. Who who other teams look at the film and they go, well, we're not attacking that guy. Mm-hmm. We're going to attack the other corner. You know what I mean? We're not going after Quentin Jammer in 2000, 2001. That guy was drafted number five overall. They're going after that other guy. I don't even know your name. They just, you know, they call you by number 2-1. We're going after right, that default. guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, because we're not going after Quentin Jammer. So I, I was that guy for two years, essentially, on the 40 acres. And you, it, it, it's, it's going to challenge you. It challenges your testicular fortitude. Yep, they're coming after you. And until you make them pay for it. All right, they're gonna keep coming after you week after week because they they're not gonna test Houghton Hill a ton. That just right. ain't smart. That guy is taking stuff to the house. It just ain't a smart thing to do at the level he's playing. So I think with Chris Boyd, he's getting better. I'm noticing him playing more and more consistent, even versus Iowa State. I understand at times, you know, he still struggles and he, a guy can get behind him, bad technique and bad habits. But I've noticed his baseline improving too. I don't want to ignore that because I've been Chris Boyd. And you know, at one point you want to become uh, kind of what Quentin Jammer and I were in 2001. We had the nation's number one total defense where, man, I don't know where the hell we're throwing the football because throwing at either one of those guys is one of those situations where we're going to have more failure than success. They're going to win more of those battles than they're going to lose if we throw on them. And I think Texas is trying to get to that point because right now you don't want to throw in Deshaun Elliott's area. right? You don't want to throw at Houghton Hill. Chris Boyd can be more consistent. Where are you going with the football when you decide to throw it? it? Let me ask you this. Is Chris Boyd... 
given that in man pure man coverage situations, he can hold his own. He's physical yeah, no enough. Question. He's athletic enough. Yeah. Is Chris Boyd just in that that shocky Brown, Cedric Griffin, yeah, Mikel Thompson it. area where this guy's athletic ability and the physical tools are off the charts? It's just it's bad eyes or it's bad focus or it's something that's keeping him from playing at that level consistently. Uh, I totally agree. And, and that's, that's why the main word, consistently. Yeah, exactly. That's why he's still starting. Remember those guys, too. Those guys, we, we would complain about Shockey Brown over and over again <laughs> and his bad eyes and eyes getting caught up in the backfield and even Mikael Thompson, right? right? Bad technique. Yeah, those guys would be out there. I remember Coach Aquino. We talked about in the show telling me to my face, Mikael Thompson has Thorpe Award. No, type. no, no. How did Coach Aquino yeah. tell you about Mikael yeah, Thompson? He's like, I'm telling you, baby. This kid's got Thorpe Award potential written all around that if he plays at his, his highest capability. But he never played that way. You know yeah. what I mean? But NFL coaches love those raw tools, those raw materials. Still drafted high. You know, Cedric Griffin had some technique issues when I think he came off the four acres. Still drafted high because you cannot coach the length, the range, and the speed combination of those guys. Shockey Brown, same way. You know, the Ravens, you know, one of the best front offices in the NFL decided, eh, screw the bad technique and the bad habits. That guy's an NFL body. Right. Same thing with Chris Boyd, man. Hey, guy's got an NFL body, NFL. He's got an NFL, a Sunday skill set, as they would say. But, man, he has really bad habits. He has really bad eyes. He has kind of what I call lazy technique at times instead of, you know, the burst and the quick uh, hip motion. It's a little lazy hip turn. It's like, man, get that hip, get, get you know, get those hips flipped. So it's one of those things where I think he's getting better and better. You get to, P.J. Locke is playing better, too. P.J. Locke, I think, started, maybe he had too much sugar in the back. I think he started struggling to start the season. Um, he's playing much better. So Everybody in the, on that defense, it's a defensive backfield, are playing much better than they were uh, at the beginning of the season. But nobody right now is playing the Houghton Hill, the you know Deshaun Elliott level, the Kraken, as he's been called. <laughs> this goes back to Tom Herman's point in his Monday press conference today, and you can see it, Rod. Any you can attest this having played in a secondary where you had Sean Rogers, Casey Hampton, D.D. Lewis, Corey Redding, a lot yeah. of NFL guys playing in front of you. If you can get pressure on the quarterback, your job in the secondary becomes much easier. Not taking anything away from that defensive backfield, yeah. but for the third game in a row now, we've seen blitzes executed cleaner. We see movement on the defensive line that looks like what movement in a Todd Orlando defensive line is supposed to look like. We're seeing active play by the linebackers. We're seeing guys fit the run better than I've seen a Texas defense fit the run, maybe since Will Muschamp was around here calling defenses. So the fact that your front is playing so well and you're able, once again, I know I bring this up a lot, but it goes with, it bears repeating in this conference. If you can make these offenses one-dimensional, I don't care if you're a spread team, if you're a slot T offense, if you become a one-dimensional offense, yeah. you are infinitely easier to defend, and that's what we've seen Texas do the last three weeks. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%, and you, you brought up the you know the Sean Rogers and Casey Hampton who were on my D-line in 2000. We were still one of the better pass efficiency defenses in the country, uh, and, and we had a liability, which was me in the secondary as a young uh, starting corner and a sophomore, but we didn't have to cover for more than three seconds, and that's what you get when you have a defense defensive line that long you can end up you know as a player and that's what Nathan Vasher I think he took advantage of it full advantage of it you got a guy that has great ball skills you know certain blitzes the ball's coming out early based on the formation first on the set personnel yeah. package like oh they're not gonna we're gonna be plus two on this blitz they're not gonna be able to block this guy if you understand passing concepts you know all right he's gonna throw in the face of the blitz or how that offense likes to um, adjust to the blitz then that's how that's when you start making plays that's when yeah. you get jumps on footballs so the, I think what we're realizing about this defense is, man, the, the, the reps, they are acclimating to the, the defense. They're playing better the more and more reps they get. Todd Orlando's learning the personnel better. I think they are now getting more comfortable within the scheme, and you're seeing these guys play much faster and much more aggressive than they yeah. played earlier. And you were just talking about, you know, Boyd being a guy that at time to time, we're talking about the biggest deficiency across the secondary is just one player not being consistent. So if you start to think about that and add on, like Jeff was just saying, that in this Big 12 not only take away something but now you're preventing the explosive play. The one thing that one missed assignment, one blown coverage or what was missed tackling issue in previous years. These things that lended Texas to be so prone to giving up those explosive plays. Now yeah. you're in the Big 12 conference. You're shoring up one of them. If you can shore up the other and just have consistency where each day in, out, in, out, you don't have to worry about just one play giving the other team seven points. It's immense in this conference because making them earn it over time to time Time, it's proven it's going to be a lot harder for them to do because Texas just holding the front. And like you said with uh, Boyd, but when you talk about him, it all 
almost is like a pass rush if he can only make his skill set be better. A guy that's good and man likes to be physical. Now if he knows that the pass rush can get there in four and get there in three or four seconds, yeah. then you end up having a guy that he only has to, I mean, if you're going to just be disrupting the rhythm of a guy playing some type of physical coverage, if he knows that he really only has three or four seconds, it doesn't have to worry about them having extra time to find yeah. a guy. It'd be huge in the Big 12 Conference. Rod, I want to go through you know where this defense is. and, and th- This sounds like I'm throwing something out there like, I, like I'm, oh, I'm giving you some big football insight. Any defense, if you can win on first and second down, you're going to be in great shape. No doubt. But for Todd Orlando's defense, he's talking about his paramount, man. When you can get in a third and medium, third and long, and really unleash the blitz package, the, the possibilities are endless. And to what you guys were just talking about, Rod, you mentioned it with, with Nathan Vasher. That's kind of where Deshaun Elliott is, and that's why, not comparing Nathan Vasher directly to Deshaun Elliott, but that's why this staff coaches ball skills all the time because that's what Todd Orlando's blitzes are all about. It's not yeah. about getting sacks. It's about can we get the pressure to where that quarterback's got to throw it a half step, a half second before he wants to, and boom, we're going to be in the right place. If we're executing these blitzes and rotating our coverages the way we're supposed to, if we're matching patterns and doing everything we're supposed to, we're going to be in a position to create a lot of turnover. It, and, Rod, I want, I want to run down Iowa State's down in distances. They, they, they were, oh yeah, on the night, they were it was dominating. 3 of 12 on third down. And I just want to run down. This is a list of their down and distances on these 12 third downs. And keep in mind, they only converted three of them all game. Third and one, third and 15, third and seven, third and nine, third and two, third and two, third and 10, third and nine, third and 10, third and 10, third and 10, third and 10, third and 10. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. Third and long, which makes life easy for, or at least you're, pr- you're playing right into the hands of Todd Orlando. Todd Orlando, what I like about the defense is, and it's something the offense, you know, we'll get to it. They can't seem to figure out the offense. You know, the defense has an identity. The yeah. offense has this identity crisis, but you know what the defense is. Three game, four games in now, I should say, but the three games since that Maryland game where we can really kind of see what Todd Orlando's vision for this defense is. You know you know what the model's uh, apparandi is, right? You know it. It's um, He's getting – first of all, he's going to make you one-dimensional by taking away the run, right? Make you one-dimensional by taking away the run. He's going to then get after your quarterback once he gets you in third and long in passing situations, and then they want to force turnover. That's it. That is what the Todd Orlando defensive identity is. All the guys on the defense know it, and they, to me, that kind of sets the culture. That is it, all right? Stop the run, make them one-dimensional, get after the quarterback, force turnovers. The last three games is exactly what you've seen from the defense, and to me, that just shows you that Todd Orlando may be, at this point, I think he's as good as advertised. Honestly, but he still got a big test in the Big 12. We know we got Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. And even K-State will be a big test, and we'll get to that, too, when we talk about right. uh, the purple kryptonite, as I like to call it. But, man, I, I like that I, as a football guy, I can look at a Todd Orlando defense and know what he's trying to accomplish. Okay. I look at that Texas offense. I don't know what the hell they're trying to accomplish. But I look at Todd Orlando's defense on first, second, third down. I know exactly what he's trying to do and if they can achieve that and if they're being successful. Last three games, they have been. All right, guys, let's take a quick timeout. But come Coming up, we're going to talk about the Texas offense and go through everything going on on that side of the ball. How can Texas fix it and what can everybody expect going forward? We'll do that when we come back on Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Welcome back to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Once again, Jeff Howe. This defense, I mean, I, I at this point, three games in a row, I feel like we can say that the Maryland game is really the outlier. Yeah, this team is – because my thing is, is oh, I would look at the defense and I'm trying to figure out – you know, how they're going to perform in the Big 12 when they get face all these prolific offenses. And we're just starting to get to Big 12 play. I was with the first win over Iowa State. But I think the, the defense is almost perfectly suited to have success in the Big 12. I mean, we've talked about this before. Like, defenses in the Big 12, you know, your your definition of defense has to change about what is an effective defense in the Big 12. It right. just does. It ain't. It can't be just total yardage, and it can't just be about, you know, points where there are certain things you have to be good at to fit this culture defensively. Right now, Texas has best red zone defense defense in the Big 12, best third down defense, I think, in the Big 12. They're second in rush defense, I think, behind TCU, if I'm not mistaken. Um, in terms of sack, 
Jackson getting out to the quarterback, they started really, really slow. Remember after that Maryland game, they started really, really slow. But in the last two games, man, the pressure has amped up in terms of mm-hmm. disruptive plays, eight, making plays in the backfield. Eight sacks, 16 tackles for loss in the last three games. There you go. You know what I mean? So they started slow, so they're starting to – and that's something you have to do in the Big 12 too. you got to get after the quarterback um, and be able to put pressure on the quarterback. But there are certain red zone defense and third down defense. If Texas can stay really good at those things, right now they're best in the Big 12 in those things. Those are two key areas. Enforcing turnovers is mm-hmm. big too. And defense is very opportunistic. They force a lot of turnovers. Those are just a few areas that Texas excels at right now. That they can continue to be good at that. We can be looking at a defense that if they keep trending, you know, in this in this culture of the Big 12, a prolific offensive culture, 2009 Nebraska, if you want to contend for a Big 12 title where the offense is just inept, it's terrible, mm-hmm. but the defense is so dominant that they can still contend for a conference title. Rod, would you, would you like me to run down where Texas ranks defensively in the Big 12? Because I got it in front of me right now. Oh, please do. Uh, Yeah, because my stats may be off. Okay, rush defense second, pass efficiency defense second, interceptions first. Oh, it must have passed TCU. TCU was first. Opponent third down conversions first. And red zone defense, Rod, you're right. Texas first in the Big 12 and red zone defense. 11 trips by the opponent, only five touchdowns. Nasty. And if you look at the game-by-game numbers, they may fluctuate, but the one stat that really shows consistency in football is pressures. Pressures will then either end up in potential sacks, potential passes that are thrown inaccurately, which will be picks, or even the fumbles off of sacks. So if you just see Texas continuing to rank up there in pressures, get pressures, then you should only be able to expect the havoc to be there. And then if those pressures, get there like we were saying it may just help somebody like Chris Boyd be more consistent because he knows that there's that internal clock that he has four seconds and then it's time to go just watch I me mean, watch the Denver defense they're just sitting back in the NFL trying yeah. to pick off because I mean those guys can be the best corners or somebody like Roby can step in immediately and be considered a best corner because he knows not only on one side you have somebody locking it down but then mm-hmm. he knows that the pass rush is going to be able to get there and it just makes you then just grow almost an avalanche of confidence defensively uh, Zach Barnett tweeted this out um, that the Texas defense, since the Maryland game, they are just since the Maryland game in that time span, they are seventh nationally in, in points per game allowed, 24th nationally in yards per game allowed, uh, 19th in yards per play allowed, and they are first in yards per rush allowed mm. since um, yeah. that Maryland per play game. numbers. That's um, one, 1. 1.6 yards a carry, Texas allowing over the last three six, games. Yeah, that's cr- that, that is, yeah, that. that Actually, sounds like a fake stat. Yeah, that didn't even sound. Real. It sounds like you made a mistake. When no, you that's like what that I think. There. And it's funny I bring up the Denver defense. I saw that when you combine the four great running backs they faced this year, it's like fifty rushes for like ninety-eight yards. They haven't even combined for a touch. So if you can see something being that dominant, that you're giving up less than two yards per carry. Yeah, and that's how. That, and, and there you go. That you're talking about taking something away. Todd Orlando, his what is like I said, his modus operandi taking away the run. And right now. In the last three games, nobody is better in the country at taking away the run than Todd Orlando. And we've talked about the guys up front. It's it's amazing to me. And Malik is playing like he doesn't want to play here. He's uh, it's like he's on year. full <laughs> speed. He's, uh, he's run, it, it's no, literally he's, like I'm watching Terminator and it's just running full speed at all times. But all it is Malik yeah. going 100 miles an hour. Yeah, he's. Um, I mean, I, I I think if he plays at this level, then he'll be gone after this year, which is I think was supposed to be the goal initially for him. He's playing at that high level. We talked about the defense enough and looking at where Texas ranks in the Big 12. I just started looking at some of the offensive numbers. So let's go ahead and address the elephant in the room. Um, more like the big pile of elephant dung in the room. <laughs> Texas offense. It's a little more accurate. How about 7th in the Big 12 in scoring offense? How about 8th in the league in passing offense? Total offense, 7th. Team pass efficiency, next to last. Mm. Only Kansas is worse. Rushing offense, 6th. How about sacks allowed? You know, Baylor's the only team in the Big 12 that's allowed more sacks than Texas. 0-5, Baylor. 12 sacks allowed through four games by the Texas offensive line. Uh, Texas is actually not bad in third-down conversions. Texas is third in the Big 12 in third-down conversion rate. It's not bad. But turnover margin, Texas is sixth because the offense has turned it over eight times. And red zone offense, Rod, where you've got to be really good to win in this league, Texas is butt-naked last in the Big 12. 16 trips to the red zone, only 10 touchdowns on those 16 trips. Yeah. They've missed a field goal, turned it over twice. Mm. Yeah. So I don't know where to start offensively, but oh, yes, I, I'll tell you where. It, and I'll t- you this actually, 
Gives me a good segue. You know what? I say that to say this. Chip had uh, his one big takeaway from Tom Herman's Monday press conference, and I'm I'm working on mine. I I would have mine posted right now, but I've got to come in the studio and record this show. So (laughs) at any rate, um, Chip went into the disconnect that appears to exist now between Tom Herman and Tim Bick, and this stemmed from the Monday press conference where Tom Herman was asked about his relationship with Tim Beck. Uh Uh-oh. And... I didn't hear this. You know, Tom Her- Tom Herman's answer was he he went into the fact that he doesn't he envies coaches that call plays the head coaches that call plays because yeah. he said he doesn't feel like he sees the game very well from the sideline. Feels like he if he were calling plays he would be much better calling plays from the press box. He Tom Herman said this. Yeah, he, yes, he Tom Herman from- said this. So I want to just read you this excerpt from Chip's piece, which you can get at Horns247.com. This is Chip's piece. When I asked Herman about how his relationship, how his first-year relationship with Beck was evolving in terms of how they're working together during games, including adjustments, Herman said, quote, The biggest thing we're learning, I can give you some really good input if you can give me some really good information based on what you're seeing. With that kind of detailed information, I can help. Uh, and this is more from Chip. For those wondering if Herman has any thoughts on about taking over play calling to help jumpstart the offense, Herman, Herman basically gave you an answer on Monday. As a head coach, you've got to manage the game, Herman said. I envy the guys who are head coaches who call plays. I was always best calling plays from the box. There were times when the head coach would have me call plays from the field, and I was a fish out of water. So basically what Tom Herman's saying is, I can give you input, but my OC's got to be able to give me good information. And, Rod, considering the fact that this offense, number one, that it is the way it is, that we really haven't seen them make great in-game adjustments, tells me there's a disconnect there. Yeah. But here's the bigger thing, and Tom Herman said this after the game. Uh, and he nobody really asked him about play calling, but he addressed play calling after uh, the Iowa State game. He said, it's difficult as a play caller when you're making one yard or two yards, you just want to say, forget it and let's throw it every snap. That's not the answer either. I thought the patience and persistence by the offense was good. Now we've got to be better and more consistent throughout the course of a game. Rod, I could underline that, circle it, bold it, highlight it, whatever. The quote about forget it and let's just throw it every snap, that's not the answer either. That tells me everything we've been talking about on this show that I've been writing on the site that everybody that's watched this team against three power five opponents when the answer for Tim Beck has been screw it, let's just go with an empty set and just start flinging the rock. Yeah, That's what Tom Herman sees. And if he's giving you that in a press conference, you know that's getting talked about behind the scenes. Rod, I know we talked last week about it's Tom Herman's offense, Tim Beck's just a play caller, blah, blah, blah. I feel like this is a disconnect that's potentially a bigger issue than maybe we thought it ever was. This is why, you know, it's so the alignment factor, and this is, I'm using Tom Herman's words, alignment and even compatibility when it comes to your coaches is so big. Compatibility with your culture and your offensive philosophy. Because, you know, when Tom Herman, he and uh, Major are having this same type of dynamic, right? An right. offensive minded head coach and then your offensive coordinator, they probably have way more synchronicity. I mean, they're boys, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Tom Herman's was staying at his house here in, in Austin, living there. Even though they, Tom, Tom said today he had never worked with Major before they worked together. But Houston, not but chemistry. Yeah, chemistry, exactly. chemistry happens between. It's, it, yeah. We're dealing with two people. Understand right. this. Yes. It's just two people that have to spend 14 of 24 hours together a day. Period. First of all, it helps just like the person. Yes. I got to spend a lot of time with you. I just like you. I just, right. you know what I mean? We just vibe. We, you know, we get the same references, the same inside jokes. You like Seinfeld. I like Seinfeld. <laughs> we just get along a little bit. That helps. It does. I mean, people are like, yeah, oh, that doesn't really matter. It matters. It's huge. Because when it comes to describing describing what you're seeing on the field and us seeing the same thing that you are seeing from the booth and I'm seeing from the sideline, and then to be able to come to, uh, come to a, a compromise on a certain play call, and we got, I don't know, 20 seconds to do it, mm-hmm. it would help if our communication was fluid. It would help if our communication was something that was seamless and that, hey, I could, I could, get, I could say one reference, hey, man, you remember, uh, remember that, that play, blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah, you know what? Let's do this, that. Oh, I like that. That's, that's, that's mm-hmm. even better. That's even better. Do that, do that. You know, it would help to have that. That, that is something that communication that you got to work at in relationships over years to master. And I wonder right now with Tim Beck and Tom Herman, we know right now based on that quote, they're not seeing the same thing. And we know based on the 
quote from Tim Beck and then from Tom Herman last week that even their philosophies may not necessarily be the same. Because Tim Beck, he kind of a troubling trend. He relies when the fit is to shan on trying to throw the ball. And Tom Herman's like, no, we don't want to abandon the running game. That's not what we do. In the Iowa State game, what happened? The running game was still an atrocious, bad running game. You averaged less than three yards a carry. But what did you do? You kept running the damn ball. Because you at least, and I think they end up having, what, 40 minutes of time possession. Yep. You at least would like to be, be somewhat balanced and not abandon the running game. I think that Iowa State game was more Tom Herman's influence saying, no, 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 we're not going to abandon the running game. It's not going to happen. I know we're banging our head against a brick wall with it, but we're not going to abandon it. It ain't going to happen. And I think you're going to see more and more Tom Herman influence on this offense until the point where, hell, I don't know, you may end up with Tim Beck as a ghost play caller where he's not calling a damn thing, where it's Tom Herman's offense totally and he it, that he basically is calling the plays or if not approving everything that Tim Beck uh, decides to call. Yeah, and when you listen to Herman talk today, he talked a couple different times about their relationship or just actually Herman's own, you know, just identity coming into this job and being that there's a layer of learning on the job that's something that no matter where he's been, it's still more in working with the new staff and said one of the biggest things that he thinks could be improved with the ability to adjust in-game because they were talking about how, you know, game planning, they're on the same page and they can have all these great things that uh, could indicate that they could do well Saturday, but then whenever it comes to applying this to the players that they had to scrap that and we aren't going to be able to get all to all this stuff so we aren't going to be able to uh, get those young players to grasp it all so let's simplify it he kept talking about having to simplify everything down it sort of just sounded as if Beck is this guy it's great to be with Herman in the film room to come up with concepts mm-hmm. with ideas but, as but a then play it's caller. sort of similar what we were talking yeah. about even Manny Diaz's struggle here was then applying it to the players and applying the situation not knowing your personnel yet or also now being limited with offensive line being so young and he mentioned how yeah we may scrap up all this stuff and love it all but then if some but something happens injury we got to throw it out all after the first series and now what and then that's where the Texas offense has not looked good and he said that this is something that he could see them both getting much better at but it also makes sense that they aren't very good at it right now and it's going to take some time it's going to be one of those as he called a layer of learning on the job and right now not complete systems intact Rob, yeah. Matt's point brings up something though you and I have talked about and I've talked about it pretty much every game I've watched this offense with the exception of the San Jose State game I can't watch this Texas offense and tell you what they're trying to get accomplished tell you what they're trying to do and that to me is the biggest problem and it goes back to the communication issues because it feels like for stretches of games like they're just kind of throwing it against the wall and saying well let's just try this let's just try this and it, there's no flow there's no identity there's no nothing it's just yeah. you're just going through a call sheet and just like going with God and seeing may maybe this will work yeah and there's nothing they have yet to identify something whether it's through personnel reasons or they don't feel comfortable with certain schemes or whatever they have yet to find something they can hang their hat on and say we do this very well yeah i'm looking at the, what's the advantage you know what i mean for texas offensively you know is it it's not a schematic advantage we know that now it's not going to be a schematic advantage like you know oregon had under chip kelly or baylor had under our brows where the scheme is such a uh it's such an impact itself it's so hard to game plan for that it in itself will give you an advantage and an identity um, is it personnel? Um, you know, is that one personnel uh, piece a package or your one player in your personnel package? Is that guy almost indefensible? And that gives you an advantage. So there's no personnel advantage right now, even though Colin Johnson is, you know, basically unguardable. If he's in man to man, he's open. But there doesn't seem to be a personnel advantage for Texas, meaning up front as a with a unit or a running back unit or even you know, the wide receiver group, I say, is the one group where I would say there's a personnel advantage, but you can't exploit it yet because mm-hmm. your offensive line really can't block a enough and you can't figure out who your quarterback's going to be or keep one healthy enough to be able to exploit and maximize that. So that's what I'm looking for offensively and if they can't get it schematically, uh, get an advantage that way or get one with the personnel, this is why a lot of people and we won't, you know, we won't dwell on it too much but of course it's part of the overall conversation. A lot of people are saying hey, just insert a new quarterback and that may be the fix. That may it may have a butterfly domino effect offensively. It may improve something else and then it may I mean, and I'm not saying it's that 
ha- it happens, but we've seen that happen before. Hell, it happened with the Texans with Deshaun Watson. It literally, there's certain, you know, you can, it's such an impact position. You can put a, a new quarterback into a system if they're more compatible and if they have a different skill set, then that can have a butterfly effect and improve other positions and other units offensively. That is the question people are asking now because the offense looks so destitute. Yeah, and then if you add in just that one built in advantage, like you were saying, of the quarterback, when everything goes bad, you have offense still. Up, to where that's a baseline that yeah. is something where it literally makes it a second play if the quarterback's exactly right. conscience of exactly it. Exactly right. Exactly right. It's like Aaron Rodgers says that they have two plays on every play, that they have that, then the out of the well, pocket. The, play. Well, you got the scramble play. Yeah. The scramble yeah. drill. I mean, think about it. You, well, okay, that's what people always Let's do. talk about how the, 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 um, you know, the quarterback position can improve every position on the team. Let's look at the Texans, and then we'll go to the, yeah, they will go to the Longhorns. The Texans, their running game is better with Deshaun Watson in there because the defensive line now has a plus one running threat to worry about. So mm-hmm. the D-line, the defensive ends have to be more cautious about their, their angles to the football, and they have to make sure that those play-action fakes or those zone refakes that that quarterback is contained and is in the pocket. So the defensive line can't tee off like they used to. So your, your running game, just your traditional running back running game is more effective. Mm-hmm. You also have another threat in the running game with a plus one, so that's a plus run in the running game. You your offensive line is bad, like the Texans' offensive line is really bad. I right, one of the fifth worst offensive lines in the NFL. You can extend plays. They don't have to block as longer. They don't have to hold their blocks as long. So you can extend plays, get outside the pocket, and move the pocket. It helps your offensive line, too. Uh, even special teams. I, I think Shane Leckler punted twice inside his 20-yard line uh, in, in the last game for the Texans because they were always moving the football, getting positive yards. So it helps your special teams. And Texans, like the Longhorns, have a damn good, good punter, punter, too, okay? And you can you can, you can can kind of win town possession, dominate town possession, and play with a league that helps out your defense. That is why the quarterback position, and you know, how about the wide receivers? You extend plays, you have to cover those wide receivers even longer than you had to initially. So instead of three and a half seconds covering the guy, you got to cover somebody for five and a half to six seconds. You imagine going up for a jump hell Mary ball on an extended play against Colin Johnson mm-hmm. when he's going to box you out? That's hell. You know yeah. what I mean? So all of these things are kind of the reverberating butterfly effect of what a dual threat quarterback can do for you if they're utilized correctly. And these are the options now Longhorn fans are looking at because, yeah, they might be out of, they might be out of ideas. Yeah, it seems like to me, as, as what you're talking about watching Iowa State game, and I was watching it too, I'm like, is this, are these the ideas y'all came up with? Y'all had a bye week? Is this, was this it? Is this, really, this is it? Okay, well then, you might need to start look, thinking outside the box then. You might need to start looking at another alternative uh, option to rectify the situation offensively because... I don't see enough, I don't know, uh, offensive genius and offensive creativity that's going to solve these problems for the Longhorns through the next uh, stretch of game through the Big 12. Mm-hmm. From, from that standpoint, it was no different, Rod, than last year defensively having a bye week before the Oklahoma State game, and that was the game plan we saw. That's what you, yeah, right. you had all this time to get ready for this game, and that's, that's what you came up with. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. There's a couple different ways I want to attack this. Number one, I did think it's at times there were some encouraging signs with personnel in terms of we saw little Jordan Humphrey. Tony Carter. We saw Tony Carter yeah. get in the game. We saw Cade Brewer on the field more, who actually looks like the best option you've got at tight end. Yeah. So we saw, we, Rob, we saw some 21 personnel looks. Yeah. We saw some 20, 20 personnel. personnel. Saw some different things. Some of the things we've been talking about that, hey, maybe just try this. Maybe see if this works. See yeah. if this works. So we saw some of that. Some of the run game schemes, we saw some changes with some of that. So I think some of those things were encouraging. What discouraged me, again, was kind of the default to the drop-back passing game, which leads me to the quarterback conversation, that I still don't think it really matters who your quarterback is. Mm. If if they were going to go to Sam Ellinger, given the fact that Shane Bouchelle ran the ball, was it 13 times? He had 13 times. official carries yeah. against Iowa State. They would have made the change. There was no reason why they why they shouldn't have. That that's if it's going to be your game plan. If it was your game plan to run your quarterback powers and your sweeps and have Shane Bouchelle be the guy, and you didn't make the change, then that tells me they clearly think Shane Bouchelle is a better option. I'm not saying they're right. I'm saying that's the impression I get. That's the conclusion I draw yeah. from the fact that Shane Bouchelle's the guy. I think at the end of the day, Tom Herman doesn't see the guy right now on campus that's the ideal fit for his offense. Because if he, I, I mean, I, I look, I, Rod. I, Tom, Tom Herman can say all he wants to. Oh, you don't need Braxton Miller. You don't need Greg Ward. This offense has been a lot better when you've had Braxton Miller or Greg Ward. At I know. It's something he's like, well, we don't. You don't need a dual threat quarterback. Yeah. So well, I don't need air conditioner. But you know what? My quality of life is a whole lot better when I have it. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? So, I think he agrees. You know, too, I don't you, know? Need, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I understand what he's trying to say, and I. I 
I know what he's trying to do. I know Tom Herman is just trying to play both sides, and he's smart to do it because I think in the end, he's like, in 2018, I want both of these quarterbacks here. That's I think that's his number one priority with the way he handles yeah. the quarterback position. That in 2018, mm-hmm. that in training camp, I want Shane Bouchel and Sam Ellinger competing for that that's job. That's a good point right that there. Is, so every, Don't let every him transfer. decision he makes, exactly. Yeah, every decision a, he makes is with how can I best put myself in position to have both of these guys back in 2018. That's why I think he's handling it the way he's handling it. And that's a great theory. You know I mean? It's the best theory I it's, can think of it all right because now, too. Because if, if you mess up and say you name one guy that started too early or you go with Sam mm-hmm. and Shane checks out and Shane wants to transfer, then you're back in this this cycle of quarterback hell once again where you can't you gotta you gotta play a quarterback before he's ready, you can't redshirt one. But that being said, we are in the we are in the now, we're in the present tense. We can't worry about, you know, eight, nine months from now, which is what I think Tom Herman, he's a five million dollar man. That's what he's paid to do. We are paid, all right, to talk about the here and the now. And I'm telling you the here and the now for the, if you are going to have Shane Boucher as your starting quarterback, you need to change that offense. Yes. Same thing I said about Bill O'Brien when, when Bill O'Brien tried out Deshaun Watson for that Cincinnati game. And I said, well, if you're going to have Deshaun Watson as your starting quarterback, you better change that offense. You better tailor it to that that player's specific skill set. And, man, to my surprise, Bill O'Brien did exactly that. Sorry I'm talking a lot about Deshaun Watson, but I'm a Texas fan, and we finally got a quarterback. So a lot of my examples are going there. Yeah. But my point being is that he, they, he tailored that offense. They, had, they ran trip. They ran out option plays. Mm-hmm. They ran zone read, man. They had RPOs working. Bill O'Brien has admitted, I asked Deshaun Watson what he likes to run. And he's admitted that Deshaun Watson is teaching us spread concepts from college. Hmm. Right? Yeah. So right. you got this kind of, this, this synergy working, and I think it, it, it's got the Texans vibing. I think the Longhorns, this is what I'm talking about, compatibility with the quarterbacks. I understand he may not have his ideal quarterback on campus right now, but you might have to go with the Argo principle, the best bad idea. And right now, the best bad idea may be Sam Ellinger. Hell, it may just be the healthiest damn quarterback available, which is Sam Ellinger, because Shane Bouchel once again has another injury, right. uh, which is the ankle injury, and he's wearing a protective boot because of it. Is a seventy-five percent Shane Bouchel uh, a better option than a hundred percent Sam Ellinger? You know, these are things that they got to figure out. But if this offense can't get a spark. Even Tom Herman would have to admit, I got to do something. I can't just, you know, what do you say? Definition of insanity is repeating the same, the same results over and over again, expecting repeating the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. That's what he's doing right now, uh, to, to a certain extent. Right to your point about changing the offense, Rod. And uh, I wish I had the quote in front of me, but I don't. Tom Herman said some of the effect of recently that you know, yeah, we could throw the ball on first down. To you know, set up the run, but he said something that that's not who we are. Well, what you what you want to be and what you need to be, exactly. they're not going to match up right exactly. now. So if again, if Shane Bouchel is going to be your guy, if you've determined he's your best option to win games, which clearly, in my opinion, that's based the on the feel. Iowa State game, that's how they feel. Yeah. Yeah. Then you need to change the offense because here's the issue with Shane Bouchel as your quarterback: with the offense is currently constructed. I, I know he talked about Iowa State did things they weren't prepared for. Iowa State did the exact same thing Maryland did. Mm-hmm. They rushed three, dropped eight, and said, we dare you to run the football. Yep, we're shrinking we the dare you to lines. take off. Yeah. Not giving you the verticals. Not you to do if ball. you can fit a ball into a window that you probably have no business fitting it into, then so be it. Yep. But we're not going to give you We're not going to give you the vertical stuff. Nope. They're going to make your quarterback either tuck it and run it, especially with a guy like Shane. You're like, I want right. you to run it. Please run it, Shane. And it, I think it played right into the hands. I'm with you. And to the point about Tom Herman being a guy that needs to run the football. We talked about the importance of the rushing yardage battle in his career as a head coach. You know, I'll go back to being at the Texas High School Coach Association convention and watching him go through a lecture where he's talking about his offense. When his offense is at its best, a lot of their good stuff they really get into in the passing game is based off of play action. Mm-hmm. Rod, you can't have a play action passing game if you can't run the ball. Nope. <laughs> it's just that <laughs> you know? I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, it's, so that's what I'm saying. Like, one thing can open up another. You, establish, you get a dual threat quarterback, helps the running game, running game helps the play action. So that's why I'm wondering if they're, if they're, gonna, if they're getting to that point. If, if not, and I totally understand it. You have to change that offense, and I, and I don't know exactly what you want to do. They did have a high percentage passing game versus Iowa State. That's exactly what it was. Like yeah. I would envision that's the type of offense you want a Shane in. But the thing that it was lacking was a was a deep threat. There was no vertical threat right. in that offensive game plan for Texas versus Iowa State. And if you have no vertical threat at all, then essentially without a running game, um, you're playing a high percentage passing. You're playing seven on seven out there. Break time on the show, but when we come back, we're talking Texas K-State as the Longhorns get ready to try to fend off the purple kryptonite of the Wildcats. We'll talk about that when we come back on Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Welcome back to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Here again is Jeff Howe.
Oh, man. Well, um, let's talk real quick about Texas and K-State. Um, we've kind of mentioned K-State throughout the, uh, throughout the show. Rod, it's one of your favorite weeks of the year, man, because you get to talk about the Purple Kryptonite and the Purple Wizard and the fact that you're one of the few Texas teams, part of one of the few Texas teams that's won in Manhattan. Don't happen often. Um, But Texas admittedly has played K-State much better in Austin than in Manhattan. This is true. Won the last two meetings, one in 2013, one in 2015. And this game, uh, it all comes down to, Rod, one of our favorite stats that we talk about and, and the real test for this defense, as good as this defense is playing, can Texas slow down Jesse Ertz? And I know that sounds like something like we can slow down Jesse Ertz, like he's fast. No, Amen. but Jesse Ertz is is in that Colin Klein mold of he's yeah. basically a tailback playing quarterback. And, and K State uses those guys really well. Always have. I'm interested to talk to to players in Todd Orlando this week to find out when you're facing an offense that all of a sudden runs. You're seeing 22 personnel, and you're seeing fullbacks. How much does that change your scout team looks? Can can you get a good scout look good point, against those kind of personnel packages? That's because not a lot of people carry excess tight number of tight ends and fullbacks anymore. Um, I do think this K-State offensive line, it's one of the better offensive lines in the country that nobody really talks about. When you've got guys like France and Risner as your offensive mm-hmm. tackles, two really good bookend tackles. Rob, maybe the best best pair of bookend tackles in the country nobody talks about. Like but it's K State. Nobody K-State. ever nobody ever talks about K State, period. Um, we know defensively with Will Geary up front, they they got linebackers that are your typical K State linebackers. Yeah, exactly. They've yeah. got opportunistic safeties who are very smart, smart very high exactly football what like you, you think. guys. It's your typical K-State team. So knowing all that, Rod, it's going to be an ugly game. It's going to be a low-scoring game. Mm-hmm. But I kind of wrote on my post-game column after the Iowa State game was, that's how Texas is going to have to win ball games With this offense not being a dynamic offense, Texas is going to have to win low-scoring, ugly ball games where you're counting on your defense and field position to carry the day. And the field position argument is interesting because, Matt, you brought it up earlier talking about Tom Herman having to look at punt returner this week. Do you go with Amani Foreman? Do you go with Reggie Hempel maps? I don't know what they can do. We talk about the offensive issues. I don't know what they can do to improve their kickoff return because God, it was awful every year. Charlie was here. It's yeah. awful this year. I don't know if it's they can't find a return guy, if they just can't block it the right way, but Texas continues to be habitually Awful at trying to get field position on kick returns. I know it, the Longhorn special teams is. I mean, really, it's feast or famine. It just it's it's like mm-hmm. the two faced villain, the Batman. I mean, it gets it's ugly one moment, then it's really good because then you know Michael Dixon. Hell, Michael Dixon may be the best offensive weapon that Texas has. Yeah, period. I know it, it sounds crazy, but I think he had three hundred twenty eight yards punting versus Iowa State, including a what. 17-yard shank. Yeah. Um, and Texas total offense had 321 total yards. You, I mean, you got to – and you, I remember you saying earlier this year, you got to use that guy because now the identity of this team and how they're going to win football games, field position and hidden yardage, huge. Like, huge. Like, you can't afford to, you know, give up short fields and things of that nature. So, I agree with you. And that, that goes to punt returns and kickoff returns, too. They got to figure out something because Texas is going to, they, they can win the defensive matchup every week, but they got to find some way to win the special teams matchup, too, because offensively, they stand no chance this, of winning that This podcast could be longer than the game on Saturday because <laughs> both these teams, honestly, they run, they're gonna run honestly, case, this is K State style. This is how K State wins football games hidden yardage, field position, muck it up, muck it up until you yeah. you know what it up. That, that's how Texas is going to have to win ball games. Penalties are going to be huge in this game. Texas. Is, uh, you know, they've been very uh, undisciplined at times with penalties, especially in the second half of the Iowa State game. That's going to be big. I think the game's going to come down to one factor. I'll be watching. If if Jesse Ertz is having a really good game, because um, I think he, he's the leading passer, he's the leading rusher for that team, you brought up the stats, um, and uh, and we actually made sure that we clarified it uh, and, uh, and went and did the research on it right before the show. Texas versus quarterbacks who lead their team in passing and are first or second on that team in rushing in the Charlie Strong era. All right, Texas is four and eight. Right? Did we come over there? It was a four and eight in the four Charlie Strong era. Mm-hmm. So I mean, they they have struggled versus quarterbacks who have that type of ability to be a dual threat guy enough to lead their team in passing and rushing. 
Uh, remember, Tyrell Pigron from Maryland and Kasim Hill, they don't really fit that definition because both of them are hurt now. They're on their third-string quarterback, but they still have that type of athleticism at the quarterback position. Pigron was averaging almost six yards a carry. So is Jesse Ertz uh, in that game. So that's how Maryland beat Texas. That was a big part of how they beat Texas was that those guys being able to improvise and extend plays that is what concerns me is that when this defense, when they have every play defended, as Matt broke, Matt broke it down for you, when the play essentially deteriorates, there's another play that happens, and that's Jesse Ertz being able to come rally back to the football, be able to tackle him for a loss so he doesn't keep moving the chains, and to watch him uh, extending plays so he can connect with wide receivers downfield. That's what concerns me. And I know this defense has been a different defense since that Maryland game, but, man, no matter who you're talking about, even going back to Mac Brown's days, uh, the last days in 2013, Texas is 4-10 and going back to 2013 versus quarterbacks who lead their team in passing, finished first and second on their team in rushing. Texas has struggled versus these types of quarterbacks. Everybody does. This is why mm-hmm. on the flip side, Texas fans want to see Sam Ellinger, that type of quarterback, present similar problems to opposing defense. I just want to see a Texas quarterback be behind center and not be very concerned for their well-being, which I was with Shane Bouchelle many yeah. times on Thursday night because uh, we don't have time to get into it now because uh, we've got a hard out today. But um, I'll write about it on the site. Man, as long as that offensive line is just in shambles, it really limits what you can do. But they're going to take another look at personnel. You yeah. Know, I asked, tried to ask Tom Herman about the offensive line after the game and got a three-word answer. So you knew he wasn't happy mm-hmm. with that group after the game, and he yep. expounded on it on the Big 12 call on Monday and in his press conference. said the offensive line played kind of timid. They need to get Denzel Okafor in there more. Hey, we can talk about schemes, but we got to be able to block a three-man front. I mean, yeah. just simple stuff that just didn't go so well for that group. So many issues on offense right now, man. So many. And it- this week is a perfect situation where you look at and I was laughing when I thought about it this way while Herman was talking and we were talking about how he's still he's admitting that there's layers that he's learning on the job and we're saying Texas this whole shows about not having an identity on offense and you're facing up against literally the total opposite of the ultimate experience. Right. That dude knows what he does. He's going to have the best pieces to yeah. fit what he does and we got a guy learning on the job now he could end up being one of the best of all time but right now it's just a perfect dichotomy between the two total opposite of what one another is and where they're at in their career all right guys it is time to wrap this thing up and put it in the oven and we will do that when we come back and close out another edition of longhorn blitz with horns 247.com why have over three million guys switched to harry's razors because at harry's we give you less we make just one razor with five german engineered blades all you need for a smooth and comfortable shave ah And we got rid of upcharges. By owning the factory and cutting out the middleman, we're able to sell our high-quality blades for ridiculous prices every day. Now we're dropping the ridiculous sound effects guy. Wait, why? Not everyone can give you high quality and an amazing price. Harry's. One perfect razor. None of the extra noise. As a special offer for radio listeners, get an $18 shave set with an added bonus for free. When you visit harrys.com and use code 5252 at sign up, just cover a few bucks for shipping. That's harrys.com, code 5252 to redeem your shave set. Again, it's harrys.com, code 5252. Please note, no sound effects guys were harmed in the making of this radio recording. Check out the Groupon app where you can save up to infinity, theoretically speaking. Actually, you can save up to $100 a week on what you do every day. Suppose you saved $10 on tacos and took that $10 and used it to get more great restaurant deals on Groupon, like Italian or Chinese. Pretty soon, you could save a ton. Brunch? Check Groupon. Dinner plans? Check Groupon. Hungry? Use the top-rated Groupon app to save up to $100 a week on what you do every day. Download the app and save. Groupon. GEICO presents a voicemail from your friend, Windstorm. Oh, hey, how's it going? It's me, Windstorm. Anywho, just wanted to check up, see if you had a good weekend. Oh, and by the way, I accidentally smashed all of your patio furniture into your house, and I can't pay for the damage. (laughs) But mostly, I just wanted to check up, say hello, and hope you had a great weekend. Later, Gator. Windstorms never pay for wind damage. Luckily, one call to the GEICO Insurance Agency makes it easy to switch and save on homeowners insurance. Blue Star medicated ointment works fast to relieve the pain and itch of almost any skin irritation. It's amazing. It's like as soon as you put it on, you can feel it working. 
We've had Blue Star in the family for years. It works on everything. I love the cooling sensation on my athlete's foot. What a relief for my eczema. Nothing worked on my dry crack skin until I tried Blue Star. Blue Star is great for scalp itch. Look for the white box with the Blue Star in the first aid section. Feel Blue Star work fast or your money back. Check out the Groupon app where you can save up to infinity, theoretically speaking. Actually, you can save up to $100 a week on what you do every day. Suppose you saved $10 on tacos and took that $10 and used it to get more great restaurant deals on Groupon, like Italian or Chinese. Pretty soon, you could save a ton. Brunch? Check Groupon. Dinner plans? Check Groupon. Hungry? Use the top-rated Groupon app to save up to $100 a week on what you do every day. Download the app and save. Groupon. I have to get to sleep. Tom had a stressful day, and now he can't shut down at bedtime. Need sleep. To fall asleep fast, millions of people turn to Unisom Sleep Gels. They're non-habit-forming and quickly help you sleep soundly so you wake recharged. Mm. Tom? <sighs> Unisom Sleep Gels. A stressful day deserves a restful night. Use as directed. Active ingredient diphenhydramine hydrochloride. Geico presents a voicemail from your friend, Lightning. Hey, bud. Joe Powell Lightning. I was just hanging out in the old cloud of rue here. thought I'd give you a call. <laughs> I hope you're still not sore about that time I uh, deep-fried your big-screen TV with that bolt. <laughs> yeah, I've been meaning to pay you back for that one, <laughs> for sure. Uh, a little short on cash at the moment, but uh, any day now. <laughs> yep. Well, anywho, talk later. Lightning won't pay for the damage it causes. Luckily, the GEICO Insurance Agency makes getting coverage a snap. Visit GEICO.com to see how affordable renter's insurance can be. Allergy sufferers? The name's Nigel. I'm a well-educated owl, therefore well-versed in the difference between what's wise and unwise. Talking like a pirate on a job interview. Unwise. Using Zizol for 24-hour relief of your allergy symptoms? Quite wise. In a clinical study, 90% of allergy sufferers who use Zizol felt powerful 24-hour relief after just one day. So for continuous allergy relief, don't be unwise. Be wise all. Take Zizol. Uses directed. Blue Star Medicated Ointment gets five-star reviews from our loyal users for fast relief of the pain and itch of almost any skin irritation. Blue Star soothes insect bites and fungal infections. It really works on the summer rashes I get every year. I had psoriasis on my elbows. Blue Star worked wonders. Amazing stuff. Mirror bit on and the itch is gone. Look for the white box with the Blue Star in the first aid section. Feel Blue Star work fast or your money back. Welcome back to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Once again, Jeff Howe. All right, guys, it is prediction time on the show. Oh, you know, I, like, I want to pick K-State, but there's something inside me that's telling me to pick Texas. So I'm going to go with Texas winning this game 16-13. to 13. It's gonna be a K State cover. Be an ugly game. I'll take K. I'll take a K State cover all day, every day. It's gonna be an ugly game. I yeah, lines down to only three and a half Texas now. It had opened up at five and a half. So moving in K State's favor. Man, this is tough, man. I ain't gonna lie. This I is, think I'm gonna take Texas by a field goal. I'm gonna. I like that. I gotta think about something that I really like about both these teams. And if you look at every unit uh, and position, I think Texas defense is kind of the one thing that stands out from both of these teams as at an elite traits or an elite part of that team. So I'll bet on the Texas defense pretty much, but that means I agree with you it's going to be a really low-scoring game. So I'll go with 20 to ooh, twenty to 16. Yeah, nasty game. I'm Ugly ex- game. I'm expecting it to be almost a game where you could see as many touchdowns from the defenses than the offenses, like a non-offensive score. Yeah. Both ways could end up being that way, and I think we're thinking along the same lines with the score. But, yeah, I'll take Texas to win 24-23. to 23. Man, that's some ugly football being yes. played in the Big 12 these days. <laughs> All right, Matt, thanks for everything, man. Oh, you're more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother, anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for Travis, the best damn videographer in the podcast game. For everybody at 1049thehornhornfm.com. Our new home, and you can get this podcast each and every week on SoundCloud, iTunes, and any podcast app. Isn't that right, Matt? Yep, just Google Longhorn Blitz. If you don't got us, if not, you'll find us in those apps. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I am Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again 
on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.